Lift every voice and sing Till earth and heaven ring Ring with the harmonies of liberty Let our rejoicing rise high as the listening skies let it resound loud as a rolling sea. Sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the presence has brought us. Facing the rising sun of our new day begun, let us march on till victory is won. In the Nine Point Podcast, my name is Tim, but close friends still call me BH. On behalf of my family, I'd like to welcome you all. Each week, our family sets out to inspire and entertain your families so that we can make a habit of supporting the work of families. We at the Nine Points Podcast receive our inspiration from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. This scripture speaks to nine fruits of the Spirit of God and is read as follows. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So those nine points from Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23, those are the nine points of the Nine Point Podcast. We try to um, talk about scripture, real life, uh, real life examples, real life experiences, mental health concepts, and we try to use um, these references, these concepts um, to deal with real life situations that we have, especially so that we can become more appreciative of the gifts, opportunities and responsibilities that we have. And in so doing, be able to offer a better version of ourselves to the people that love us the most. That being our families, those in our inner circle and those who we will ultimately bring into our inner circle later on. So, again, if this is your first time, thank you for joining us. Um, you can uh, if, uh, hopefully you'll enjoy this uh, this particular show and come back. Uh, you can follow us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Copy RSS, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast and Radio Public. Now, today's show is going to have two segments. Now, the first segment, I'm going to focus on God's authority and my attitude. And the second segment is going to be Z time. And I call it Z time because my wife and I have three teenagers and, um, you know, it's Generation Z. So Z time, um, I'm going to ask our teenagers a really hard question. I'm going to ask them if a good person can really change or if a bad person can really change. I'm going to present it to them. Um, I'm going to present it to them in like an open-ended way. So if they start asking about what do you mean by a good person, I'll let them give me a definition. And then it's just going to want to see what teenagers, how they think about change. Because 
to be truthful, many adults believe that we are believe in fatalism, believe that people really can't change, that we can just uh, change our stripes, but not really change who we really are. And then there are others that believe that we can change. We can actually be born again. We can change from the, you know, from the ground up. So I'm going to ask the teenagers to I'm just going to put it out there to them and draw from their knowledge and see where see where uh, where it takes us, see where God takes us. So let me go ahead and jump into this first segment about God's authority and my attitude. And it'll come from something. um, I saw something early this week. It made me laugh at first. It was kind of like I think it was a gif or giffy. Um, I saw something this week kind of made me laugh, but it uh, ultimately had me think about, you know, presenting a bigger, you know, the bigger argument or the bigger issue from that from that little gift that I saw. Um, have you ever been somewhere like you've been? I mean, have you ever been anywhere as a as a kid or as an as an adult? Or have you ever seen a kid tell somebody, you know, my mama, you know, my daddy, um, you know, and have you ever been been in that situation or have you ever been in like a meeting where you, you know, you're a boss, it's your, it's your business or, um, and, and you're proposing something and somebody says, Hey, you know, um, that goes against the rules. You know, you shouldn't be doing that. You know how you, you know how you might feel about it. And, um, and you, if you're a parent and have ever said, if you are a parent and you tell a kid that you need to do something, they won't say, you know, my daddy, or they won't say, you know, my mama, they'll say, this is my life. Uh, I'm allowed to live my life. How are you going to always, um, you want me to be just like you. You want me to, to wind me up like a little robot so that I can march around and bark and do what you want me to do. I am my own person. Quit trying to control me. So it's not really a matter of what kind of role that a person has. When somebody presents you with God's truth, it it really boils down to our attitudes. Okay, let me go ahead and read some of these. You know, I wrote out some bullet points. Um, When you are not demonstrating responsibility, what difference does it make? Who tells you about it? In theory, respectful people, I mean, respectful help from a person who loves you is more important than who the messenger is. However, you and I do not live in theory. Our physical and emotional health will impact how uh, how we receive the message. Fatigue sometimes leads to unintentional compromises. Our history with the messenger factors into how we receive their message also. Psychologically, if I am mentally fatigued or frustrated about one thing, I might overestimate my ability to be objective or even rational in the moment that I get that message that I need to correct something. Then finally, a lot of the time when a child, peer or spouse says something like that to us, it's because what we are asking them to do would interrupt the current flow that they're in. In other words, The person is responding from a position of defending what they are doing right now or defending their right to reject your request or at the very least 
let you know that they will get to it when they feel like it. Now, fortunately, there's a passage in the Bible that captures this attitude perfectly. And I will point you to Genesis chapter four, verse nine. If you're not into your Bible very much, if you're not a Christian, Genesis is the first book of the Bible and chapter four is like one of the first three pages. Okay. Genesis chapter four, verse nine. And it says this. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He being Cain said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Now, here are verses six, seven and eight which lead us up to verse number nine. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. So let's back up and look at the ingredients here and see if they don't line up with the other stuff about not wanting to do something or doing it when we feel like it. Okay. Number one, Cain offered something from his heart to God, but he did it on his own terms. That's number one. Number two, the second ingredient, God rejected or refused Cain's offering. Okay. Number three, third ingredient, Cain's attitude towards his brother changed, even though his brother Abel did not do anything against him. And then fourth, the fourth ingredient, Cain did the opposite of fixing something about himself. Now, God asked him to fix something about himself. Cain did the exact opposite. Specifically, he attacked his brother and sassed the messenger, who in this case just happened to be God Almighty. Okay? I said that that part in the Bible very early on into the Bible, shortly after creation, Right after the fall is chapter four. And that talks about the whole attitude of it's not the role. It's not the the title. It's what the person has in their heart against the message and the messenger. Cain says God, let this sink in. Am I my brother's keeper? I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And uh, I mean, you um, you pretty pretty far out there to say something like that to the one God of the universe, the one that is giving you life and giving you the ability to, to <laughs> formulate your words, to take, think about an attitude and try to process what you're thinking and to give God that back. That is what Cain did. So now let's look at, at the, you're not my daddy. Uh, you're not my mama. Uh, you, you're, um, you can't tell me what to do. You work for me. Okay, let's look at this. Number one, first ingredient. If a kid said that, let's just stick with the kid example. If a kid said that, that kid will be acting on their own terms. 
forget or halfway did the chore running late, et cetera. Like, you know, a parent might say, I need you to do this. or you running late. Come on, pick it up. And they say, yeah, you're not my daddy. You're not my mom. You can't tell me what to do. That's number one. That kid was acting on their own terms, just like Cain. Number two, the authority figure enters the scene and lets the child know that they need to step their game up. That's what God did when he approached Cain. Number three, the kid that says, you can't tell me what to do. The kid does the opposite of fixing something. Specifically, uh, he or she doesn't lift a finger to do what was asked of them and doubles down by sassing the messenger. When they say, you can't tell me what to do. I only got one daddy. I only got one mama. You can't tell me what to do. People, let's be real. All of us have a little bit of that little bratty kid in us. Some of us still have a lot of it in us. The issue is not so much who it is that the message is coming from, as pointed out. The Bible proves in Genesis chapter 4 that even if the messenger is God himself, a human being that feels that they have been wronged is subject to do anything. This illustrates more than anything else why it's more important to teach respect than it is to instill fear. What happens when you have to share your home, your neighborhood, your workspace, or the legacy of your business with the person that would rather die and take down anybody with them than to pull their own weight? I saw a good movie. Well, I saw it a bunch of times, actually. And there was one scene where this guy asked, would you rather be loved or feared? If somebody asked me that question, I would say my answer would be neither. I'd rather be working effectively. I'd rather be working effectively and efficiently with people who are competent and respect the golden rule. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Any child or adult that does not want to be guided with love and respect is like a nation at war with itself. What can such a person consistently give to others except for contempt? Though a person with contempt in their heart may seek love, love would actually scare them to their core again and again. Why? Because the Bible says time and time again that a person cannot serve two masters. Love and contempt are about as different as you can get. About as different as you can get. If contempt is at the core, then love is viewed as the enemy. That was true in the days of Cain and Abel. That was true in the days of Jesus and the Sanhedrin. The same is true now when it comes to civil liberties. I'm going to say this and I'll close. If you have contempt in your heart, please confess it. I'm not talking about just saying it with your words, saying, I'm sorry, I'm going to try to do better. It takes more than I'm going to try to do better. You have to be willing to sacrifice. You have to be willing to feeling uncomfortable and humble and actually feeling embarrassed because you're not lashing out in your typical defensive, cynical way. You have to confess it to God and you have to invite, not just invite him in, you have to welcome him in. And that means He's going to be with you when you are really wanting to do what 
comes natural, what has become what you've become conditioned to do. You have to be willing to wait and do the opposite when he reveals what will be better for you. Now, if you love someone who has contempt in their core, please get help. First, humble yourself to the task of removing the beam out of your own eye. Once you are in the action phase of this in your own life, you will be in a better position to seek and receive righteous counsel. Now, I'm not responsible for the mistakes of of other people like I'm a parent and as my kids tell me time and time again, I make my own decisions. You're not the boss of me. I have my own life to live. With that being true, I'm responsible. I'm responsible for things that they do by, you know, for a number of reasons. I'm compelled to be responsible because those are my children. I love them unconditionally and I'm going to give of myself in the moment time and time and time again. I'm compelled to do that. The law says that you should do it. It encourages it. But if man's law wasn't there, that's the way that I'm wired anyway. I'm doing that for my kids. But even though I might be responsible to a certain degree, the free will of the other person is has a lot to do with how they choose to act. They can get all of the right, all the love and all the right, the uh, wise counsel that anybody can offer, but still choose to do to do wrong. So that's why I say confess. Be willing to change the contempt that I might have that I'm walking around with in general so that when I'm confronted with it, I can respond to it with love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, fellowship, a team, maybe professional help so that I can stand against contempt because contempt has been around before before nations. Okay, contempt has been around before uh, people were arguing about gender or civil rights. Contempt is at the root of every of every contention that arises from pride. And I mean, if you've listened to this show before, you know how I feel about pride. So we need each other. We need we need humility and courage and courage. I can't see any other way to have courage if you don't have faith. You have to have faith and God can take your faith and give you courage. If you have humility, when God gives you that courage, then you're a bad person. You're not a bad person. If you have humility, courage, and perspective, uh, discernment, you are, you are in a good position to celebrate what your responsibilities, you're in a good position to celebrate uh, your treasure that's all around you. Doesn't mean you're always going to feel invincible but you are prepared to deal with the world in a way where you can be a teacher and a mentor to others. Okay. So 
thank you very much for um, for listening to me go on this little rant about authority and attitude. Uh, it's really important. If we don't learn how to confront and replace the contempt that we carry from time to time, then even when we try to make the world a better place, we will be doing so by bringing some of what's what's wrong to the table. So again, thank you for listening to this, to this first part. I'm going to uh, back off for a moment, give you the second verse of Lift Every Voice and Sing. And when we return after that, it will be Z time. Stony the road we trod, bitter the chasing rod, felt in the day when hope unborn had died. Yet with a steady beat, have not our weary feet come to the place for which our fathers died. We have come over a way that with tears have been watered. We have come treading our path through the blood of the slaughtered. Outweigh our gloomy past till now we stand at last. Where the white gleam of our bright star is cast. Welcome back, everyone. This is uh, welcome back to Z time. I am flanked by all three of our children. The for the purpose of this show, they have aliases. I'm joined by the oldest king, my twin, twin. And then we have newbie. All right. Z time. All Z people in here. I want to ask you guys to weigh in on something. I want your rich, new, um, young, relatively innocent, uh, definitely genuine feedback on this on this big, big time question that a lot of people still argue about to this day. And I want, I'd love for everybody to have an opinion on this. I hope it's not going to be too, too much to handle. So my question is, do you think that a good person can become bad? Yes. How about you, newbie? Mm-hmm. I agree with King. Do you think that a good person can become bad, twin? Okay. Now my question is, do you guys believe that a bad person can become good? Newbie? I think so. King, do you believe that a bad person can become good? Yes. Just look at Paul. (laughs) All right. Twin, do you think that a bad person can truly become good? Yes. Okay. So... You, all, everybody here believes that a bad person can become good. Everybody here believes that a good person can become bad. Now, let me ask you, what would you say then to someone that says 
that if a person is really bad, they can accidentally do something good or they can do a few good things, but that doesn't really change what they are in their in their core because a person is really more than just the sum of the things that they decide to do. So how would you answer that? If they if they came at, and hit you with that? Okay. Yeah, I'll repeat it. Since everyone, we'll start with the first one. If you believe that a bad person can become good, someone who <clears throat> someone who does not know about the Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus, who became the Apostle Paul, as you pointed out, King, um, and maybe if they're not, whether they're a Christian or not, maybe they don't they don't know that sto- that uh, that testimony, and maybe when they hear someone say that a person can really change in their heart, they really believe that a person can't change. There are people that believe that people really don't change. We might change slight uh, behaviors from here to there, but we don't really change in our core. And we might, you know, just because we might say things a little differently than we did 10 years ago, we really don't change. Not really, not really. A something or someone who is truly bad does not ever become good because even if they do things that most of us say would agree are good, they're doing those things to benefit themselves and nobody else. So what would you guys say to a person that, that countered your position? And I will go on record I agree with your position. I believe that a bad person can be transformed. I believe it. So I'm not I'm not asking you this because I doubt it. I'm saying it because you are going to be directly and indirectly challenged for having that conviction in your heart that someone can go from being bad to being good. And I'm giving you guys a chance to to speak up kind of like give a general and initial response to a cynical, a cynical person who is going to, going to try to break you. I think, I think the only reason why a bad or evil person wouldn't change is ultimately because they choose not to change. They could have a few good moments, but overall, they choose they choose to feed into that core. They choose not to pursue righteousness. I somewhat agree with Kang, but I feel like people's upbringings and their home lives really determine how their personality develops and if they come from a more rough like ba- um background then they're going to more likely be inherit bad behaviors or traits from their home life or their parents so i personally believe that they can change but the core of who they are is really depends on how they grew up like their upbringing and the people that they were surrounded with at a young age because people at like kids are sponges 
or at least younger people are. So I feel like that determines if someone's a bad person. I feel like they can do things for them to become better. I just feel like certain things like that really determine if they're like a good, bad aunt, I guess. Okay. You got some what what you what are you thinking on this subject, twin? I feel like no one's born good or bad. They're taught to be good or bad. So like um, Newbie said, it really depends on your upbringing. If your parents teach you to be racist or sexist or misogynistic, you're going to go out into the world and be racist, sexist, or misogynistic. But if your parents teach you good morals and good values, you're going to go out into the world and be a productive person with good morals and values. And you again, you don't learn to be bad and you don't learn um, no you do learn to be bad you're not born that way so if you can learn to be bad you can learn to be good vice versa okay let me ask you guys about let me ask you guys another question because of something that you just said i i've heard that and i believe that i, I believe that what we learn we learn from the culture around us that i believe that to be true we learn from the culture around us, but everybody in here lives under the same roof and your mom and I might get up at the same time every morning and never have to rush to leave out of here to get out, get to work on time. But everybody that I'm looking at, I have to encourage you guys more to, you know, to get some hustle in your step. It's not because you don't know better. It's not because we haven't told you that it's important to be on time. It's something there's a part of each of us that has this little brat. This there's this little brat in all of us. It's like um, you can't tell me what to do. I was talking a little bit earlier on the first segment. If somebody were if somebody were doing something, if the teacher told you something, you're like, you ain't my daddy. You can't tell me what to do. Or um, if somebody was working for you. And and you were doing something and you were about to try to cut a corner and your coworker said, but boss, you know, you're not supposed to do that. Such and such regulations say da, 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 da. Some people have been fired for that. For it's pointing out what is painfully true that everybody in that room had to study and learn and incorporate. But because the person sitting at the top don't want to hear it at that moment. They didn't shut shut that person down and 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 taken took their job from them just by standing up to try to do what's right. So does so since all of us, I'm gonna say it, I believe all of us have some of that brat in us. So since I have some of that brat in me, like when you guys tell me, remind me that I'm supposed to pay you today. I'm supposed to pay you today, but at the moment, I've got only have a big bill and I got to pay three of you and I can't do it right now. And I don't feel like going to the credit union to get more to get more money out or to go to the store to break my big bill. But you keep reminding me, well, dad, you did say that you were going to pay me today. I'm like, shut up. I get you when I feel like it. That's that brat in me. I'm 48. So. If it's in me at 48, it's in you at, at 18, it's in you guys at 15. 
because you have that brat in you, does that mean that you're really not a good person? Or are you a good person that just, that also has some bad in you? What do you guys think? I feel like everyone has traits in them that are bad and good. So it, I don't really know if that's a determine if they're a bad person or not. Because everyone has bad traits in them. But there's also positives in every single person's personality. King, you were reaching to? There's always going to be bad or even evil in us. Even even the most devoted followers. Okay. So, you are would you all agree with me that you can have some selfishness in you that you can have some um some bias in you and you can choose to resist that bias you can choose to resist that evil and that is a reflection of who you are what you choose to fight the attitude that you have for why you choose to fight the the way that you do and embrace what you do is that what makes the difference between a good person and a bad person. Okay. I kind of, I was kind of coming off the cuff with, with that, but I was basically, I was trying to get at, I was trying to get at, I think that the most important thing is all of us can make mistakes. Just like King said, no matter how um, how dedicated we are, we can make mistakes. Think about Peter. Think about Peter, the night that Jesus got arrested. Peter was basically Jesus. I'm 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 your ride or die, man. Even if everybody else leaves you, I'll never leave you. No, no, that'll never happen. That will never happen. Jesus told Peter before. Before the rooster crows three times, you're going to betray me three times before the rooster crows. But in that moment, Peter was convinced there is nothing that's ever going to make me deny you. There's nothing that's ever going to come between us, Jesus. And Jesus's words proved to be true. I believe that Peter was a good person. I believe that Peter was a dedicated uh, disciple. I believe that Peter pretty much uh, wrote a check that his behind could not cash. But because he denied Jesus those three times in that evening, that did not reveal that he was truly evil. It revealed that he was fallible and the person he was talking to who just happened to be Jesus the Messiah of the world foretold something that Peter could not have possibly seen. So each of you, each of you, I believe are good people. I believe each of you are good and that cannot be taken away from you. You can make mistakes. You can make, you can, it's one thing to make accidental mistakes. It's another thing to be intentional about your mistakes. 
but your mistakes don't identify or the best way to put it, your mistakes don't limit your ability to believe your mistakes. Don't put a cap on the amount of grace that God is going to, to throw your way. And I think it's important that, you know, as teenagers throughout your life, there will be there will be forces that rise up against you to try to convince you that you are nothing but the sum of your parts, that goodness is only relative to the situation that you are, that you're in, that some people might even try to tell you that um, that your relationship with God itself is. Well, I won't even speak it into existence right now, but you're going to be challenged. You're going to be challenged because you are good. Because you have faith, because you have courage, because good people have been challenged throughout the history of the world. But I'm glad that you that you guys agree with me about whether a bad person can become a good person. Because a bad person can become a good person. I truly believe that. And before we go. For the for those of you out there that do not know about Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul King, tell us a little bit about Paul, about Paul's story. Well, he used to be an evil and violent man. He would go around churches and persecute Christians and kill them. I used to persecute them, too, but not in a violent way. Anyways... He was just seemingly really, really unstable, but yet willful in his actions. And then one day, what seemed like a normal day for Paul, it all changed when Jesus came down. He came to Paul and convicted him, making him realize his mistake. And from there, Jesus ordered him, to stop what he was doing. He ordered Paul to stop what he was doing and repent and to do his will. And ever since then, Paul went from one of the most antichrist men ultimately to one of the most devoted followers in history. But like all of us, he's still he's still technically a sinner. He's not he's not on this earth now. He's up in heaven. But just the very fact that someone that evil and wicked being shown with that much mercy I'm absolutely convinced that anybody anybody can change. That just that just only shows us more how undeserving we are for God's forgiveness and how much he really loves us. Thank you, King. Does anybody want to say anything else before before I close us out? I appreciate everybody that weighed in. Anybody want to say something else? Clarify something that they said earlier or, or ask any questions before we close out? 
to anyone that's listening to this part of the podcast, I hope that y'all have a good rest of your days and a good summer break <laughs> to the people that celebrate it. Thanks, newbie. Well, folks, that brings us to the end of the podcast. Remember, hopefully that you hopefully you enjoyed this. Um, share with other people. Follow us. You can uh, find the podcast. We try to do at least one each week. Sometimes we do a couple to make up for if we missed a week. Um, but we try to do one at least once a week. You can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Copy RSS, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. So follow us if you like. That would really uh, that would really be um, encouraging. Also, another thing that you could do to you know if you want, if you desire, I'm not. Uh, I'm not saying that you have to, but if you have the means, if you have the means and if you like to read, <clears throat> if you like uh, fiction, if you like Christian fiction, um, I wrote a book last year. It's called Lord's Shelter. You can find it on Book Baby Bookshop. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it on Barnes and Nobles. It's in paperback form. You can get it. Um, you can get it on Kindle. You can get it on a Nook. So you can get it in a digital form. It's called Lord's Shelter. It's a Christian fiction book. So if you'd like to, um, if you'd like to support, to support me and and and, and vicariously uh, support the family, you could go out and, and purchase that book. Um, and if you like that book, uh, go on and put a positive review and share it with others. Share the word out there. Um, but we, you know, we've been doing this going on two years now, and I was doing it before I wrote that book. I'm going to hopefully we'll be able to continue to do this um, in between now and the next book that I write, which is going to be it's going to happen after something else that I'm trying to do right now. I'm trying to do something before I write again, even though I've got some stuff on my heart. But uh, that's all we got. Again, thank you for joining us. Remember that wealth is to be spent. But God's treasure is to be shared. You guys take care. Have a great week. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, Thou who has brought us thus far on the way, Thou who has by thy might led us into the light. Keep us forever in the path we pray. Lest our feet stray from the places our God where we met thee. Lest our hearts drunk with the wine of the world we forget thee. Shadow beneath thy hand may we forever stand true to our God, true to our native land.